0: Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network.
1: Welcome to Bad Axe Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Blinka.
0: And I'm your co-host, Aaron.
1: Bad Axe is brought to you by the pod Moth Media Network. Check out PodMoth for more great podcasts. You can support the show and get over a year's worth of bonus episodes over at patreon.com backslash pod. There is a link in our show notes and membership start at just $1. And also, you get ad-free early episodes now. So it's a pretty sweet situation over there. You can also support the show for free by leaving us a positive review and by telling a friend about us. Now, on to today's case. Today, we are going to Crescent City, California in March 2010. Crescent City is a small beachside town on the Pacific Ocean with a little over 6,500 residents. It's on the northern coast of California near the border of Oregon, and it sounds really, really nice, but it's actually kind of a town that struggles with itself.
0: That sucks. It sounds like a really beautiful place. I mean, you know, given all the stuff I've heard about it so far, I mean, it sounds like it should Mm -hmm. be really gorgeous, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: It's even near the Redwoods, so you could totally go see that. There's also this building that's kind of on like a rock in the ocean. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that looks really, really cool if you want to look at pictures of it yeah that's so, awesome. yeah so there's some cool stuff going on there also as a not so fun fact the city has been hit by several tsunamis in the past uh, which i mentioned partially because it's interesting and scary and partially because it sort of is going to be related to our story in a minute and the whole city of crescent city was actually destroyed in 1964 by tsunami waves from the great earthquake of 1964 that struck alaska wow Yeah. Isn't that that wild? I did not even know that that would happen in California.
0: I did not know that, and that really is crazy. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. I don't think it was a very big town, though, because only 12 people died, but then most of the structures were destroyed.
0: Yeah, maybe they had good evacuations.
1: I hope so. I hope so. They do have some tsunami mitigating factors now of some sort. I do not know what that looks like, but it does exist. Hmm. Also, not-so-fun fact, there's a prison called Pelican Bay... That you might have heard of, because I had heard of it before.
0: That name sounds familiar. Yeah, they
1: have it in, like, movies and stuff. They've used it as a setting.
0: That might be where I've heard it from. Yeah, yeah. so it's
1: called Pelican Bay because there's a bay called Pelican Bay over there. And it's a maximum security prison. It kind of sounds like what they were doing with Alcatraz. It's the same formula where they transfer prisoners from other prisons because they're too dangerous (laughs) over into Pelican Bay and then proceed to... Uh, prison them and as my last interesting fact I read too much information about Pelican Bay I'm just gonna be honest with you and there's this guy whose first name is Donnie and he's an artist and he made himself art supplies by turning his hair into a paintbrush and melting down the colors on m ms to make paints and he has been making art in solitary confinement over at Pelican Bay because they won't let him have art supplies or happiness so
0: Wow, that's dedication right there.
1: Yeah, very dedicated. And also, yes, it is bad that he did bad things, but he had a traumatic childhood. It's a whole thing. I'm not going to do his crime. I got distracted, everyone, while I was researching this (laughs) by the story of Donnie the Artist and his, his paintings. And they sold some of them, but he's not allowed to make money. So all of the money for his paintings went to help, ironically, a foundation that supports the children of prisoners. Well, that's good. I know. I was like, look, it's all coming together. It's all coming together, people. All right, so let's focus on our actual case for today. 21-year-old Taylor Powell grew up in Crescent City, California with his parents, Tim and Kathy Powell, and his sister, Aaron, and brother, Andrew. Ironically, this is my last interjection, Aaron's name is Aaron Andrew, although this Aaron is Aaron with an E. That's so, true. Although I did date an Aaron with an E and an Andrew, so I'm just it comes full circle. There it is. It comes full circle. In school... Taylor had struggles fitting in because he stood out from the other kids because of his height and some learning differences. All he ever wanted was to fit in with people, and it frustrated him that he couldn't just be like everyone else. When Taylor was in middle school, the family moved back to Washington, where they were originally from. The Powell family settled in University Place, Washington, where his parents put down roots. In his teen years, Taylor started acting out, like most teens. He tried on different personas until he found one that fit him. And this one that fit him the best was a punk style with a mohawk, tattoos, skulls, the ear gauges. Nice. The full the full package. That was his jam. Cool beans. All right, so at that point he found his persona and he went with it. He was still struggling to fit in though. And Taylor actually ended up moving back and forth between his parents' house in Washington and some of his family members in Crescent City. Because not only was he having trouble making friends and keeping them, but when he did make friends, he tended to make friends with, like, the bad boys of the school. So he tended to get into a little bit of trouble there. He really liked living in California, but his family wanted him home. Unfortunately, though, he continued to struggle to stay in line while he was in Washington. He hung around with other kids who liked to get in trouble, and one day he went too far. Taylor got caught stealing, and he was charged with shoplifting. The court levied a heavy judgment against him that totaled over $2,000. Now, as an adult, $2,000 doesn't really sound like that much considering, but to a teen, that is an insurmountable amount of money.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of money.
1: I mean, I remember back when $100 was like... All the money ever.
0: Yeah, $100 was like, holy crap. Yes.
1: Yeah. So with $2,000, why even try it, right? <laughs> I'm yeah. kidding. I'm, I, mean, I would try but you know. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, th- if you think about it, back in the day on minimum wage, or even today on minimum wage, really, mm-hmm. I mean, like $2,000 is a lot. It takes you a long time to earn that kind of money.
1: Yeah. But that's, and,
0: that's a lot of working hours.
1: And so that really weighed on Taylor, and he just decided to pretend like nothing was happening, and sort of fled to California. Like not in a I'm fleeing the law type of way but more like I'm just gonna kind of put a pin in this and try to do something else because it's just too overwhelming to have to face this problem. So as an adult Taylor decided to settle back in Crescent City. Since he was an avid surfer it actually made sense for him to live in a beach town and I looked this up because I wasn't sure Crescent City sounded sort of like a cove but I looked up if you could go surfing there. And according to the internet, you can, in fact, go surfing. Nice. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. In Crescent
1: City. So I think that that makes sense for him. Because even though university place where his parents were living is sort of on the water, it's like the inside water of Washington. It's not like the ocean, regular ocean. So it would definitely be a different kind of experience.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So he has his surfing going on. And... He also was a people person, according to his family, even though he didn't really fit in. He did, like, want to fit in. He, str- he was striving to fit in, so he continued to try to reach out to people and make friends. He liked to have fun, and he showed off that side of his personality by continuing to wear his mohawk. Nice. Making it happen. For money, Taylor worked at a job at the Good Harvest Cafe. It's a beachy, family-owned restaurant with a view of the harbor. And based on photos of Good Harvest Cafe, they A, have good seafood, and B, look like the kind of restaurant where you feel like your old grandma went there. Nice. Do you know what I mean? Like where the sign looks a little bit faded and the, the building looks like a little bit old.
0: Yeah, like it, it's it seen it a little bit of wear.
1: Yes, that's exactly how it looks. So that is where he was working. He also had a girlfriend named Sarah. And Sarah loved him a lot. And I know that because Sarah continues to post about how much she loves him. That's nice. One of Taylor's hobbies was mixed martial arts fighting. And that is for short called MMA fighting. So that's what I'm going to be referring to it for the rest of this podcast episode. And he often sparred with a friend of his named Jared Wyatt. Now, there's some difference of opinion about how important MMA fighting was To Taylor, it sounds like he wasn't that enmeshed in it, that this was more just like a passing type of interest where he met people that were into it. And he started kind of being like, yeah, I'll spar with you. But not where he was trying to pursue that as like a life goal.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Okay. Taylor and Jared met and became friends in 2009. In addition to being sparring partners, they enjoyed hanging out together. According to people who knew Jared, though, he was not just an MMA fighter. He lost his temper a lot. Uh Uh-oh. And he had a reputation for starting fights and just blowing up at people.
0: What a fun guy.
1: Yeah. Later on, there would be some people who implied slash suggested that he had been using steroids, which would make sense based on what they describe about his behavior, because they describe him as having, like, a short temper and then getting violent really easily, which is what we, we all traditionally know as Roid Roid rage, rage. yes. So, that makes sense, but we are not saying for sure that he was on steroids, but it did come up later on at trial. Well, not at trial, but as they were talking about trials. Hey, Freaky Friends! It's Michelle and Melissa from the Freaky Fridays podcast. We are sisters in separate states and love to talk about all kinds of spooky, freaky, and scary shit while drinking and laughing through our fear. Join us Fridays as we delve into everything from the world of the paranormal to scary movies to creepy stuff we find around the internet. Subscribe to Freaky Fridays wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Sleep tight. Make sure you leave the lights on. Free Fridays is a proud member of the PodMoth Network. For more awesome pods, check out PodMoth.network. On March 20th, 2010, Taylor and Jared made friends to hang out. It wasn't just going to be them, though. Earlier that evening on March 20th, Jared met up with his girlfriend, Billy Joe Bailey, at a bar in Crescent City. Together... The pair drove out to a house on Requa, which I'm just going to be honest with you, it's spelled R-E-Q-U-A, and I'm trying so hard. I think it's Requa, but I honestly don't know. That's the yeah. name of a city in California, which is about half an hour south of Crescent City. It's a cool spot looking over a lake called Lake Klamath, and that is the house where they were going to be staying. Nice. Jared was house-sitting in this home, and he had invited his girlfriend, Billy Joe Bailey, and Taylor, and also their friend, Justin Davis, to come stay at this house. Justin picked up Taylor that night after he finished work, and the friends drove up to the house together to meet Jared and his girlfriend, Billy Joe. The four of them did not normally hang out as a group. Billy Joe later said that she had only met Taylor three times before this meetup, and she was meeting Justin for the first time. Still, they decided to have some fun. During this hangout, though, the friends made a fateful decision. They decided to make a tea with hallucinogenic mushrooms. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Now, fun fact, I did not even know you could make mushroom tea. I didn't know that was a thing.
0: Do you want mushroom tea now but no. regular mushroom tea like without the magic
1: i don't want eat any mushroom tea i love mushrooms <laughs> regular normal mushrooms i do love them yeah but no i don't want mushroom tea but that was i was just like i'm sorry um what they made tea out of mushrooms
0: yeah i've never heard of that before
1: is that what you do when you don't have enough mushrooms for everybody to eat maybe i have I been mean. offered hallucinogenic mushrooms a couple of times in my life. I've never eaten them because as we have previously discussed on this podcast, I have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder from a pretty young age, like in my teens, which is very young to be diagnosed. And I don't need help (laughs) having scary moments happen to me. So so why don't we not do that? Yeah. (laughs) We'll just not. So they made tea though. Apparently that works.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know that you could do that.
1: Yes. Now, according to Billy Joe... She claims that the guys made the tea and then Pierre pressured her into having some. Uh, So you can decide if you believe that part or not. Other accounts of this evening just say that they were all having the tea. So who knows? We do know, though, that all four of them drank some of the mushroom tea. In the early morning hours of March 21st, Justin decided that he was going to leave the house to go back home to Crescent City. Jared, Wyatt, begged him to stay, but Justin was not interested. They ended up actually getting into a fight over this. Now, most of them agree that during this fight, Taylor is the one who kind of pulled Jared off of Justin and held him down so that Justin could get out of the house. But Justin didn't leave right away. He was kind of looking inside. Mm -hmm. And this made Jared chase him outside. And as Justin was trying to pull away from the house in his car... Jared made the completely rational decision to jump onto his car to try to stop him.
0: Wow, yeah, that's, a, that's just a really terrible decision all mm-hmm. the way around.
1: Yeah, so, as you may have deduced, the mushroom party had taken a dark turn.
0: Yeah, legit.
1: Yeah, so, what ended up happening is, at some point during the night, one of them, most likely Taylor, decided that there was a tidal wave that was coming, that was going to destroy the world.
0: That kind of sounds like a reasonable thing to think about when you're on Mushroom. Yeah. Maybe reasonable is not the thing, but it seems like the sort of delusion you would expect to have when mm-hmm. you're on mushrooms.
1: If you're having like a dark experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's like a bad trip. Yeah, you yeah, are
1: having yeah. a bad trip at this point. And a tidal wave is coming. That also is why I said the tsunami thing was interesting. Because I feel like the tidal wave made more sense after I read that the city had been destroyed before by a tsunami. Because I feel like if you're if you're tripping and you know that your city has had a tsunami before in the past.
0: It's the kind of anxiety your yeah, brain would conjure up. Exactly. They're not yeah. the
1: same event, but maybe your mushroom brain didn't remember that tidal wave and tsunami are different. They both start with T. Yeah. So I could see how they might be like there's a tidal wave coming. Oh my god. I mean I could
0: see that though, right? Cuz like mm-hmm. I mean being from Houston where we have hurricanes, it's like Oh my god. every like almost <laughs> like especially <laughs> having been through several of them like you yes. have that low grade like bubbling anxiety in the back burner of holy shit there's gonna be a hurricane yeah right even though it's not even hurricane season mm-hmm. but i mean and i could see like if you're having a bad trip like your brain's gonna pull on that anxiety that's like deep in your subconscious i see that and it's gonna be like holy shit there's a hurricane right now even though like in real life it's mid-november and well, I guess there hur- was
1: just a hurricane yeah. in Florida. I, I
0: was about to say hurricanes don't happen, but then, yeah, you're right. They so, do now. They,
1: surprise. They,
0: they do now. Hashtag climate change. But, I mean. Uh, now, with
1: even more hurricanes.
0: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's what we wanted.
1: I could see that. Because I also yeah. tend to, whenever there's any kind of weather event that involves rain, I start to have my oh, own yeah. specific mm-hmm. fears that are related to hurricanes. Like, for instance, while we were waiting in some Harvey water, I got in some, there were the red ants. The fire ants, they, they they get into clusters and they just float themselves around yep. in the water. Yep. And then they wait for you to be walking through the flood water so they can get on you and fire ant you. They want to bite you. They're waiting for you out there in the water. It's like people are afraid of, like, sharks and shit. No, there's fire ants out there and they're just floating on the top of the water just waiting for you to walk into them. I walked into some fire ants, y'all. So... Now, whenever there's, like, water places, I'm like, I'm not getting bit by them fire ants again. (laughs) Or also, i warn people, like, look out for the fire ants. And they're just like, I'm sorry. Like, I might have my home washed away. What? (laughs) Like, no, like, but don't go outside there. Like, there's fire ants? Like, you're going to want a boat or something because there's fire ants. (laughs) They're waiting for you. Anyway, so I can kind of see how you would get there. I mean, I guess I can see myself being afraid of a bunch of fire ants in this situation.
0: We should never do any kind well, of we're hallucinogens. Not. We're not going to. Cuz like we would have crazy bad trip I feel like. Yeah, we're like. not doing it. We, we, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I have hallucinated before because of my mental illness and I don't want to do it. If I you know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying to to avoid all that, trying to manage this shit.
0: <laughs> I got you yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, uh the reason why Jared didn't want Justin to leave. It's because he thought this tidal wave was coming. At first, he was really against it. And he was mad at Taylor for suggesting it. But then he got on board and was like, no, the tidal wave is coming. You can't go. So Justin managed to get away. There was also, in one account that I heard, they may have fought over a dog at some point. And there's some confusing bits about the dog because, and who it belonged to. Because most of the reports about this state that Justin realized after he had gotten home to Crescent City that he left his dog there. So whether it was his dog or whether it was a rather reason why he went back to the house, Justin decided that he needed to go back to to the house to check on things even though he had just left. Right. Now, I do want to note here that he should not have been driving because he was high off his ass on mushrooms.
0: Yep, that's very And true. that
1: might have been contributing to him trying to figure out what the hell was going on.
0: Yeah, he probably didn't know what was going on because he was tripping.
1: Now, when it comes to driving, Literally. Justin was very lucky that night because he safely made the trip back to Crescent City and safely drove back to the house. However, that's where his luck ends because his life was about to come crashing down all around him. Uh-oh. Because when Justin walked back into the house, he saw the unthinkable. One of his friends hovered over the other, mumbling under his breath about cutting off a tattoo. Uh Uh-oh. Blood was everywhere. And immediately, Justin called 911 and told the dispatcher that someone in the house had been stabbed. He went outside to wait for the police and to stay away from the madman inside. Justin met Sergeant Elwood Lee and Deputy Enrique Ortega at the end of the dirt road leading up to the house where the group were staying. He led them up to the crime scene and nothing could prepare them for what they found. When officers arrived at the house, they immediately encountered a disturbing scene. As soon as they walked inside, they spotted blood and broken glass. From the nearby room, they heard mumbling and saw the end of a couch. A foot was sticking out from the couch like someone was lying down. Sergeant Lee And Deputy Ortega walked toward the noise and the foot. When they reached the doorway, they saw a naked man covered in blood standing over the body on the couch. The man said, I killed him. That's chilling. Even more disturbing, he also informed the officers that he had cut out his heart and tongue.
0: That's gross.
1: Yes. Later on, we would find out that he cut out his tongue because he was making too much noise as he killed it. Wow. Yes.
0: Uh, I have no words. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, of course he was making noise. You're stabbing him.
1: Well, he wasn't actually stabbing him. It was actually kind of worse than that. Oh, good. Um, It's worse. <laughs> so before I tell you about the worst, the man covered in blood was Jared Wyatt. The man he had killed was his friend. Taylor Powell. Yeah. The responding officers continued into the home, and this was terrible. So, trigger warning. Taylor lay on the couch covered in blood. His face no longer had skin because Jared had peeled it off. Every bone in his face was broken from Jared beating him because he had beat him. His tongue was cut off. He had a big hole in his chest made by an 18-inch incision that Jared made with some pruning shears. Then Jared had ripped out his heart while it was beating. His heart was beating. That was the last part, though, because at some point during all that, he had also gouged out Taylor's eyes.
0: Wow. Yeah. Sorry, the pause was me picking my jaw up off the floor, because that is Mm -hmm. fucking gruesome. It is. I mean, that. I have said that's gruesome a lot on this podcast. I think that mm-hmm. is the most gruesome of all of the cases that we have done to yeah. this point. Like it it's not might it's be. not the most like heinous necessarily Cause like yeah. like I mean we've seen some pretty despicable shit. But mm-hmm. like that I think is the most physically gruesome Ugh. one that we've covered.
1: Yeah, I think it might be. And I think part of it too is that I just the hardest part Is that he was alive through all of that?
0: Yeah. And... I mean, that's some torture shit.
1: Also, this is kind of a lesser injury, but he did have defensive wounds on, like, most of his body. Like, on his arms and legs and stuff from trying to fight for his life. Police found Taylor's heart in a wood-burning stove inside the home. It was charred, like Jared had tried to cook it. And later on, medical examiner Dr. Neil Kushner did an autopsy on Taylor... And that is how he determined that Taylor had still been alive when Jared had cut out his tongue and sliced off his, his heart, pulled it out of his chest. Because, yeah.
0: Man, having to be a medical examiner in cases mm-hmm. like that has to just, like, really scar
1: you. I know. And that's what we learned when we listened to that medical examiner that had, like, no, no threshold for maybe I shouldn't say that or show you this picture of this dead body. Yeah.
0: I mean, when you have to have an experience like that, I mean, it's mm-hmm. like that has to
1: change you. I think you have to, <laughs> I guess, you, I guess, like, there's kind of a benefit, I guess, to people being able to not be affected. Yeah. Like, maybe you can use it for good.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and like,
1: do this <laughs> autopsy stuff, so that the rest of us don't have to. It's like the people that work in the funeral homes. Like I learned from learning about embalming for another case that I could not work there, and I appreciate that there's people that do that are fine with it because someone needs to do it. <laughs> and we we appreciate you. We here at Bad Axe would like to extend our appreciation to all the medical examiners and embalmers and people who put the makeup on the bodies and who move the bodies. Basically anything with the bodies. We appreciate you because I don't want to do that.
0: Yeah. It freaks me out. I don't like it. Yeah.
1: Anyway, this is terrible. So, people are wondering, how did a friendly hangout spiral into the worst possible crime? Well, according to Billy Joe and Justin, their hallucinations took a dark turn when they became convinced that they were caught in a battle between God and Satan.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: God and Satan always find their way into this. And this
0: took a really dark turn.
1: Yes. Like, that was the actual words that they used, was battle between God and Satan. Now, this tidal wave somehow was involved in the go- the battle between God and Satan. I'm, I'm assuming that God was bringing the tidal wave, or maybe Satan was. But regardless, in their mushroom-induced trip, this made sense. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk about that some more in a minute. But first, I want to talk about what happened right after they found Taylor. So, Crescent City Police called Kathy and Tim Powell to tell them what happened, and they had the unfortunate task of telling Aaron and Andrew that their brother was gone. They told Aaron in person, but Andrew was deployed to Afghanistan at the time. Oh, no. Fighting in the war, yeah. So, he was off at war, and then his brother gets mutilated. That's awful. I know, right?
0: That's so terrible. That's
1: really bad. It's really bad. Yeah. So Sergeant Lee, that's the guy, one of the, the two officers that had responded at the scene, arrested Wyatt there. And they apparently he came without incident or whatever. And I was like, I mean, okay. Like, I know what they mean, but still. Yeah. So they arrested him at the scene. And as Sergeant Lee was arresting him, he says that Wyatt asked him something like, are you God or are you God here to save me? And I feel like he didn't say he did, but I feel like Sergeant Lee had to have made some kind of like pithy comment to that, because like, how do you not, right? Yeah, I guess maybe if you're just trying not to vomit, maybe you just can't make words.
0: Yeah, I mean that's true. Like it, if if you were on like a cop sitcom, there's definitely a pithy comeback right there. Yeah, like in real life, he may have still been like, having I'm fucking his, gonna barf. He may have had his jaw on the floor yeah. from what he just seen. Yeah, that's
1: some shock right there. Yeah. Okay, so. Later, Jared asked Deputy Ortega to take him to the hospital because he was covered in Taylor's blood, and naked. Like, which is weird to me. Where he's like, "I need to go to the hospital because I'm covered in blood." Well, don't kill people.
0: I know, no, right? Like,
1: I know that's not a rational, that's not a reasonable response because you should probably take them to the hospital. But I'm just like, that's just me. It's like you wouldn't be covered in blood if you hadn't been killing people, would you? No. Yep. While at the scene, Deputy Ortega also arrested Billy Joe and Justin to see how they were connected to the horrific torture and murder that happened that night. At this point, they don't have a lot of answers, right? So at around 6.30 a.m., officers began interrogating Wyatt as he sat in a holding cell. For some reason, he was still naked and covered in Taylor's blood. I feel like at that point, as much as I don't like this guy, for obvious reasons, I'm pretty sure you shouldn't leave the suspect naked and covered in blood. Maybe it was evidence, though? Like, is it evidence at that point?
0: Yeah, but I mean, shouldn't... If it's evidence, shouldn't you deal with that before you do the interrogation? You know what I mean? Maybe. collecting the samples or pictures or whatever you have to do. Yeah. Well, there's
1: also some confusing bits about the mushrooms. Because Jared's lawyer insists that he was still tripping on mushrooms, like, after all this. But the police officers claimed that they thought he seemed sober. I feel like there's the truth in the middle. Because you can't really believe the police just being real. No offense to the police. Or some offense to the police. Because, you know... Like, they, they do have a, a history of, not these particular police, but police in general do have a tendency to be like, we gotta get this guy. I mean, look, he's obviously the killer. Like, I'm not, I mean, obviously we have to do due process, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, like, come on. Like, if you were the cops so and you show up, he's like, I killed him. And he's covered in blood and, like, Standing actively continuing to do the murder. Yeah. yeah, like, that doesn't look good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there's no real... There's no who done it here. Yeah. At the yeah. same
1: time, like I do think that they should have probably figured out how to get him a shower without losing the evidence and some clothes. But
0: but I mean, this stands the reason, right?
1: Yeah. Maybe don't leave people naked in their cells. Like probably bad. Just yeah. gonna just gonna float that out there. Not a good choice. Okay. So he struggled, unsurprisingly, to tell them a coherent version of events. But during the story, he claimed that he heard spirits in the house. Yes, he was having a lot of problems from these spirits that were talking to him. And he said that that deadly tidal wave was coming. In a second interview later that day, Jerry claimed that Taylor put him in a chokehold and said that the world was ending. And then Jared chillingly told Sergeant Lee, quote, Satan was in that dude, unquote. Wow. Yeah. So he says that he saw the devil's face on Taylor's face. And then he was like, I had to do this. I had to attack him or whatever. He also said that the reason he decided to cut out Taylor's heart and burn it is because he was still alive. Because he was the devil and all. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty bad. Now, it is possible that Taylor may have put him in a chokehold. There's a lot of debate about this because all their stories are weird. They all contradict each other and they're all very confusing because of the mushrooms. But it does seem that Taylor had intervened to help both Justin and Billy Joe at some point during the night. Because we know that he helped Justin leave. And even though Billy Joe later decides to back up Jared for some fucking reason, she did initially insinuate that, or did not insinuate, she directly said that Jared had been mad at her that night and that she thought that it was possible that he was taking out his wrath on Taylor. And there, in some versions of events that were told by the witnesses, Taylor tried to protect Billy Joe from Jared's wrath. So it is possible that at some point he tried to like put him in a chokehold to stop him from hurting someone. But that is not, that's not him hurting him. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Now it is important to note as this story probably sounds confusing right now that they all three had hazy memories and they changed their stories at different times. To try to, basically try to try to make themselves look better, basically, is what happened. So, after interviewing all of them, authorities charged Jerry Wyatt with first-degree murder, aggravated mayhem, and torture. Now, in this case, mayhem means removing organs or limbs. And if you recall, that since he removed his tongue and his heart and his eyes, that's the organs. And I will say that, initially, the medical examiner tried to play down some of this because... The medical examiner clearly didn't want the people closest to Taylor, like his family, to know how bad the crime was. Because, I mean, who would want to know this?
0: Yeah, I definitely would not want to know that. But,
1: unfortunately, as this case continued through the system, you know, it got out there. To be fair, I'm not really in favor of vague details, but I understand where they were going for with this. Because I would have (laughs) lied. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Like, that sounds ironic. That I'm being honest about the fact that I would have lied, but I wouldn't want to, t- to look at someone and tell them this happened to their loved one.
0: That would be, it'd be hard, you know?
1: Yeah. If convicted of these charges, Jared faced life in prison without parole. And that's partially because each of the charges were enhanced because Jared had used a weapon, a sharp weapon. And this sharp weapon was the purting shears. It took several days for Jared Wyatt to make a plea deal. Because he was so intoxicated on the mushrooms, according to his lawyer. But I will note here that they did some testing on him. They didn't find mushrooms in his system when they did the test, which was, like, on the same day he was arrested, but hours afterwards. So the mushrooms had enough time to be out of his system, but it's unlikely that he was actually still tripping, even though his lawyer was like, he's not prepared to make a, a plea. Yeah. So, he did finally make his plea on the 25th of March, which was about five days or about four days, really, after the, the crime. He pleaded not guilty and not guilty by reason of insanity. Now, this caused a lot of problems for Taylor's family because they really, really got offended by these, both of these pleas. One, because the not guilty plea came from him trying to say that Taylor started the fight with him.
0: Yeah, that's some fucking bullshit. It is
1: some fucking bullshit. And just being real, even if he did start the fight, which I don't believe, the fuck?
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, that's... Yeah. No, no. uh. At this
1: point, what is happening? No. You can't cut someone's heart out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and then be like, well, he started it. No, he fucking did not.
0: Yeah, legit.
1: Also, even though initially Billy Joe had said that she thought that Jared might have been mad at her that night when they started having hearings about the case, she totally changed her story. And she said that what happened is that they made that tea. The men, well, the guys did. She still had some because of peer pressure, but then she had laid down after drinking the tea and placed a hoodie over her face. Meanwhile, the guys went outside on a porch. Sometime later, Jared came back inside and told her that his eyes were burning. Then they started to have that fight about Justin leaving. According to Billy Joe, Jared asked Taylor to get his guitar at some point during all that. And Taylor got really mad and and just lashed out at Jared and was like, no, and was all angry. And at that point, he allegedly threatened Jared. Next, the pair started wrestling on the kitchen floor And somehow, according to Billy Joe, Taylor got the upper hand and was standing over Jared, spitting on him and possibly doing something that made sexual sounds. When pressed upon that, she admitted that she could have been mistaken. She claims that she ran back to the bedroom because she was afraid of Taylor. In another version of this story, Billy Joe claims that she felt a pressure on her legs and thought that Taylor was either pushing them down or holding a knife on her, And that Jared could have just been defending her. However, you'll notice that all of her stories are very contradictory. And they also don't match the evidence or the statements that she and and Jared and Justin had initially given to the police. As I said, she'd already said that Jared had been mad at her and had taken out his rage. Which is not the same as what she's describing At this hearing.
0: It sounds like she's trying to find excuses for this dude.
1: Yeah. And she later on said that she struggled to remember what happened, but that she was able to talk herself through the memories and piece it back together. And I'm like, okay, well, don't talk yourself into things then. But whatever. So there have been some suggestions, though, based on the movement throughout the room and what Justin has said, that Taylor was likely the one that was having to defend people and was not the aggressor in the situation. Plus, I'll note that jared's a lot bigger than taylor and he is was an actual mma fighter that like officially fought for mma whereas taylor was just kind of like a surfer guy who sometimes had fun doing it so they're not like at the same level of fighting and it doesn't really make sense
0: yeah they're not like equally matched here
1: yeah it doesn't make sense for taylor to try to fight him even if they were high like just being serious but based on what's been happening so there's no way for us to know for sure what exactly happened, but based on all the statements made by everyone involved and the evidence, it's likely that Jared lost his temper because his eyes began stinging because of the mushroom tea and that he started lashing out against his friends and then all of them got obsessed with this idea of the tidal wave coming up the Klamath River and they started to share in this delusion. At some point, there's been some some insinuations are not insinuations. There's been direct statements that Jared may have instructed Taylor to build an ark like a Noah's Ark. <laughs> yeah. To, like, save them from the tidal wave. And somehow, over time, through this conflict, the delusion transitioned into a battle between God and Satan. And it was the end of the world. They had to survive. And somehow, Jared got it in his mind that Taylor was the devil and killed him wow that's the story that made the most sense to the police and the prosecution however jared's attorney james fallman insisted that his client was having a psychotic break at the time of the murder however the prosecution countered that the time he spent mutilating the body did not line up with a psychotic break now to be fair as we have learned from several cases and from I learned specifically from a case that happened local to me that I've brought up a million times on this show where a man that lived in the same city with me before in Beaumont, Texas, had schizophrenia and had been in a delusion that his mom was like somehow the devil and he killed her and dismembered her and was like really happy about it because he thought he had saved her. That was a psychotic break that he was having and he very easily mutilated her body. Not because he thought she was the devil. Like, he thought she was being affected somehow by the devil. He thought he was saving his mom. That is to say that, I mean, technically you can. You can do these things. But, as we have learned from prior cases that we've done on this podcast, you can't use intoxicants and then claim insanity because you did it to yourself. That's right. And this is particularly, this is the law in California that if you are under the influence because something you did to yourself, you took drugs, and then you have a delusion and you kill somebody, you can't claim insanity because you did it. It's your fault. It goes back to your actions. Yep. And so I'm sure he was having delusions, but he caused them, so that's kind of a moot point. Now, after his arrest, psychiatrists examined him and determined that he was competent to stand trial. So his trial was scheduled to begin in September 2012, which was about two and a half years after Taylor's murder. The psychiatrist that examined him found that he likely did experience psychosis brought on by intoxication. However, his behavior also may have been influenced by steroids and head injuries from MMA fighting. Sounds about right. Yeah, I feel like he could probably do like a whole podcast just on the whole head injury situation with this.
0: Oh, I'm sure you could. Yeah,
1: because yeah, he did have brain injuries that probably led to this partially. Yeah. Now, during that two and a half years that they all awaited trial, Taylor's mom never let up her fight to get her son justice. And this was obviously really hard on his whole family because it felt like it was never going to happen. And I think it was especially hard in this situation because even though people were always presumed innocent, in this case, I mean, I don't know that there was a lot of doubt that he did it.
0: No, I don't think Cause so. Because
1: even with the not guilty thing, he was being like, well, I'm either not guilty because he started it or I'm not guilty because I was insane shrug he never said i did not kill taylor yeah yeah so i feel like that's really frustrating but they did finally get their day in court scheduled in september 2012 but four days before his trial date jared decided to take a plea deal instead of facing a jury in september 2012 he pleaded guilty to first degree murder involving mayhem and as part of this plea agreement he received 50 years to life in prison he will be eligible for parole in 2062 after he serves those 50 years. According to his lawyer, James Fallman, Wyatt just wanted the opportunity to get out of jail because he just wants the idea of parole being offered. Also, Jared said that he took the plea deal because he didn't want himself or his family to have to testify in trial. And similarly, the prosecution offered the plea deal because it would save Taylor's family the heartache of watching the trial play out.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a good call. I mean, mm-hmm. like especially for the family, I don't think they should have to look at the pictures and the evidence. Oh my god. So. Hearing that recounted in detail, like, that would be super traumatizing.
1: Yeah, and for real, just being serious, I, I don't really know that there would be any point to them going to trial, because I feel like as a defense attorney, you have to have some level of awareness that if, if they do go to trial, they're going to show the jury, those poor jury members are going to have to look at those pictures, and nobody's going to be like, oh, you're good.
0: Yeah, nobody's nobody's going to quit you on no,
1: that. No, you're going to be in jail regardless. Yeah. I mean, it's just too bad. It's too bad of a thing. I know there were some fears that that Taylor supporters had that he would get sent to a hospital, and then they would be like, he's better, and he would get to leave at some point. And I can see why they would be worried, because he had a history of assaulting people up into this. It was almost like every little thing that Jared had done had led up to him murdering someone horrifically. Like, you might not have expected it to be this horrific, but based on his behavior, it kind of seemed like he was headed towards a horrific murder. It was
0: going to end badly. Yeah, it was
1: always going to end badly. And it just so happened to be that Taylor is the one that caught it. And it just is really unfair for him because, you know, he had had some struggles in his life before. But he was doing all these things to to get his life to where he wanted it. And he loved living there. He had a girlfriend he was really close to. Again, her name was Sarah. She's posted a couple of times on sites about him, about how much she loves him and how she misses him and things like that. It's just really tragic that she lost someone she cared about so much in such a horrific way it's sad for the whole family and I can't imagine especially being the brother that was in Afghanistan and then finding out that your brother across the world has been murdered viciously and then you have to you can't just be with your family
0: yeah you can't Mm -hmm. make it home and
1: I kind of know like I kind of guess I feel bad for him the most because when my mom passed this is not obviously the same because she wasn't horrifically murdered but when my mom passed unexpectedly I had been diagnosed with COVID. And I couldn't go, I couldn't go say goodbye. And I also just, I had to wait several days before I could go be with my family because I was not allowed out a <laughs> quarantine because COVID. And that really, really, it, it made it suck more because you just want to be around the other people that you love and you want to talk about the person you lost and be sad and be sad together. So I can't imagine being stuck all the way around the world and also you are kind of at the mercy of the military. Like, you can't just be like, oh, let me catch a flight home. You have to get approvals and all that stuff. It's not like an easy thing for you just to kind of find out and get back. And it's really sad. That's true. So, hopefully, I, don't know, I was going to be like, hopefully, something good can come out of this. And I'm like, and what is that thing, Danielle?
0: Maybe our, our listeners will know not to drink mushroom tea with magic mushrooms. I guess.
1: Mushrooms. Why don't we judge you about mushrooms? Like, well, no, I'm sure I'm, some people... I think, actually, can't, they, can't mushrooms treat some people's conditions? That's...
0: All right, fair, fair enough. I'm going yeah. to retract what I just said. I guess, I mean, maybe it's just more of a use hallucinogens responsibly and also avoid steroid abuse.
1: Yeah, steroid abuse is probably worse than the mushrooms you
0: know what i mean because like even yeah even in those studies they've done where like the mushrooms or the hallucinogens help uh-huh. people like it's also done in a controlled way yeah with doctors and shit you know what i mean so it's yeah I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be judgy about drugs i'm I really not it's just more of a cautionary tale you know of like things can go wrong if you're not careful and if you you know
1: Just be as careful as possible. It kind of makes me think of ketamine because, like, I know they use ketamine for healthy, not healthy, but, like, for dosages for certain things to, like, help you with certain conditions. And I was given ketamine when I got my wisdom teeth removed. And I freaked out when I heard them say ketamine because I didn't know what they were going to give me. I guess I should have asked that. And I had only, like, really known about it from whenever the kid that got killed by the police in Colorado, Elijah, was given the ketamine and then he died. The black kid that they all got they all racistly assumed was a criminal when he was just walking. And so whenever they were like, Okay, let's give her the ketamine, I was like, What the fuck? Like (laughs) I was about to but they had already given me the ketamine and I I went to sleep. I went into a cave. I was in a cave the whole time I was on the ketamine when I was getting my teeth removed. I was having this weird cave experience. So I don't know what's up with the cave. But that's what happened to me on ketamine ketamine.
0: Your mouth is the cave.
1: I guess. Literally, like, as soon as, like, I, like, the last thing I remember is them saying that they were about to give me the ketamine, and then me trying to, to, like, be like, no, and then it was too late, and I was like, boom, cave.
0: Yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense, like, from a, how your brain would kind of experience that, Mm -hmm. right? Because like. You're worried about your mouth. Your mouth is kind of a cave shape. Yeah. You're trying to escape because you're trying to get away from the ketamine, and caves are a thing that you try to escape from. Yeah. But you can't reach the mouth of the cave. It makes I sense. I was
1: having, like, a whole cave situation.
0: Look, apparently in this episode, Aaron explains how hallu- how hallucin- <laughs> how hallucinations make sense. Yeah. I don't know how that happened, but apparently that's what's happening this episode.
1: Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just proud of us We for recording today because... We watched we got we watched a movie. We just decided to on a whim watch a, a scary movie. I've been into horror movies ever since my mom passed away. I like always casually liked a lot of them, but I was never like obsessed. But now horror movies are like my main category and I don't know how I don't know how this connects, but it must because it happened after she passed. Now I'm like all into horror movies. And the one I'm we watching is called The Visit. And I never would have turned it on but until except for I saw an ad on Facebook. It wasn't an ad, but it was like one of those suggested posts where where people share like a part of something, and then everyone comments on it that's seen it i don't I don't know what page it was on, honestly, it's probably on Netflix, who knows even though the movie's not on Netflix. I learned that the hard way. We had to rent it from Amazon anyway. The movie is about these kids that go visit their grandparents and then something sinister is happening. And normally, I would not be interested in this movie, but the major twist of the movie was in the suggested post, and that was, like, really creepy, and I thought, oh, my God, I have to watch this scary movie. And I have to say, I feel like it scared me more than most movies. It was good. Yeah, because, like, a lot of horror movies aren't very scary to me. Like, they they tend to be, you know, kind of, they're scary situations, but, like, they're not really that scary, partially because I guess we do true crime, and we know that it's, like, way scarier that people do other things like that in real life, I guess. But this movie was, was genuinely chilling. Like, I had to go cuddle up against Aaron and try to hide under my blanket at one point. Yeah, you did. Aaron was really excited about the movie. <laughs> I was like, are you are you enjoying this movie? I was worried he was bored, and he's like, this is a great movie. <laughs> But anyway, we we recommend it. We give I, five out of five stars. You should totally watch The Visit and t- let us know if you think it is also scary. And don't look up any spoilers because I feel like it would be even better if you didn't know it was going to happen.
0: That's true. I can attest to
1: Legit, that. legit. Aaron liked it more because he was, didn't know about the twist. All right, peoples. We will see you soon. We hope you found this case interesting and somehow something good comes into your life because of it. I don't know. Not abusing hallucinogens hallucinogens, neither one of us can say that word today. All right, We will see you soon. Don't forget about the patreon oh don't forget about the Patreon account. You can totally get early ad free episodes. There's a lot of bonus content every month. I should say every month we do three different bonus episodes over there. We have a mini episode that everybody gets. We have a bonus episode that our top two tiers get. And it's just a full-length bonus crime. And I try to pick ones that are not that common because I want it to be special. I am a patron of some other show's accounts. Like, sometimes I switch them up. But, like, I do patronize some other true crime podcasters. And I personally get so disappointed when my bonus episode is either something I already have heard a lot or is just, like, just kind of phoned in for the month. So I try to, to go all out, even though a lot of times we do release them at the end of the month that's because I don't want to just put up anything I want to make sure that we have something good for them also for our top tier patrons in addition to those other two episodes you also get something we call current events slash true crime or recent crime rundown and this last month we did a Halloween one that wasn't that recent but normally we do like crimes that have happened recently that technically there's not enough for us to do like a full episode on and they might be ongoing but th- But that, like, seem really, really interesting. And sometimes those include famous cases. Sometimes it's just things that I was like, oh, my God. And so I needed to tell somebody about it. Like, if anyone's getting hacked with, like, a sword or running over each other with trains or one time I got on a tangent because some apparently people set homeless people on fire and that was just so horrific that I heard about it. I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm going to try to learn more about this case. And then there was, like, a, I found a whole bunch of more incidences where people just set homeless people on fire for some reason. I mean, I know the reason. It's because they're bad people who think that homeless people are somehow a burden on society or, like, a plight upon their city and that burning them is a rational response, which, FYI, it's not. But anyway, that one that one kind of spiraled into a – several cases of people doing that but anyway there's a lot happening over there so go to our patreon and that's patreon.com backslash badaxpod there's a link in our show notes also we have our email it's badaxpod at gmail.com you can follow us on social media at badaxpod and we have our website aaron would you like to tell them about that
0: uh yeah the website's badaxpod.com go check it out
1: we will see you later Bye bye bye